Hello, I'm Colin Lowe, and in the latest podcast from Suffolk Money, supported by Kingsfleet, we're talking about the scourge of plastic in the environment. And it's very well-timed because this month is actually Plastic Free July, a global movement urging us all to do our bit for cleaner streets, oceans and communities. My colleague Leslie Dolphin has been out with one local campaigner who's already going above and beyond in the war against waste in Suffolk. This is a glorious day. Uh, we've got a bit of a breeze, as we always do. We're on the banks of the River Orwell. We're right at the, right at the mouth of the river. You can probably hear the port in the background. Um, I've come out for a rubbish walk. That doesn't mean it's a horrible walk. It means it's a walk collecting litter. With us today is Jason and uh, Jason Alexander. So I, I'm so impressed. We've parked. And here we are, you've got your little rucksack with you, and you've already got out of your rucksack a litter picker and a bag to put the stuff in. Yep, so I'm all, all set. So as we walk along, um, well, we can already see we're here on the, on the tide line, and we can already spot these little patches of brightly coloured items that I'm sure once we get closer to them, we'll see that there's the odd crisp packet and plastic bottle that shouldn't be there on the beach. So hopefully... By the time we've finished our walk, this bag will be full and the beach will look a lot cleaner. And this is your holiday kit, so you, you literally take this on holiday, do you? This is, yeah. So this is this little litter picker here, it's, it's only about two foot long and it folds in half. And I also use a, a, one of the fold-away shopping bags that you can pick up from a quid in most uh, supermarkets. But they pack away so small that you can tuck them into your rucksack or into your, into your suitcase, sometimes without your wife knowing. Um, and then you've got them there ready for, for when you're, you're out sitting sunbathing on the beach in some far-flung distant destination. And um, I don't know about you, but I get a little bit bored laying there sunbathing. So I grab my little picker in my bag and then I go for a wander and see what I can discover. And, and how is the litter worldwide then? Because we always say, don't we, I, I've just been to Norway and it was lovely and clean and I was oh, England's so bad. But, but is it a similar problem elsewhere? Everywhere you go, everywhere you find human beings, you're going to find a litter problem. And I, I hear that as well, that the UK, here in the UK, we're one of the, the worst, most littered countries in the world. I guarantee whatever country you go in, you're going to find grot spots where they're very littered but you're also going to find lots of places where you won't find any litter at all so it's all about um i suppose it depends what eyes you're looking with if that makes sense you know once you spot litter you see it you see it everywhere and it's very easy to think that you know everywhere you go is just is a is a mess is just covered covered in rubbish but in reality you know we, we look we're standing here on the on the beach we look along the tide line here and we can see little bits of, of litter we look in the distance and we can see potentially odd little little spots where there might be a bottle or a crisp packet but the vast majority of the area is completely clear yeah it's it's not bad now we're doing partly talking to you because it's a plastic free july coming up we'll talk more about that when when i said that i was going to be talking to you you said nurdles <laughs> yeah so, and, so and what are nurdles nurdles are are the little 
pre-production plastic pellets that are used by the manufacturing industry, plastic manufacturing industry, to make um, lots of the plastic products. And they're imagined little plastic lentils. They look like lentils and and they come in various different um, colors and you've got nerdlers but you also have bio beads as well that look very similar but they're a different color and you get they look a little bit like imagine black peppercorns that kind of that size that that shape and and, and color and i'm sure if we were i know there's a little spot just over there that i've i've found nerdles and and bio bees before so if we have if we have a wander over there uh, maybe we can we can find one or two. Yeah, okay, as we go. So we're just going to clamber up the shingle bank. Uh, we will pick any litter up as, as we go as well. So plastic, I mean, it's a huge problem, isn't it? Just because it doesn't disappear. It is. And now, plastic, it is an absolutely brilliant material. Um, it has, we can do some amazing things with it. The important thing is that we need to use it properly. And once we've finished using it, we need to dispose of it properly. And... Unfortunately, we're we kind of um, we're we're com completely um, obsessed with convenience and trying to make things as easy as possible for us. And and the problem is that then means that we end up producing stuff. Manufacturers produce stuff that we don't really we don't really need. And I think it's a, it's one of those cases of just because you can do something doesn't mean that you you should do something so so we've just we've just walked over to this is spot it, here there's a, a coke can we've got a coke can here which we can pick up and put it in the just, bag well done just over behind well. behind the lovely poppy we've got, a, we've got a a coffee cup that's been carefully placed down so it's a little bit of so it's a takeaway coffee a little bit of careful littering but as we bop we bop down here we can see just where the coffee cup was we look a little bit closer we can see we've got little pieces of polystyrene which you can feel there it breaks and, up yeah, into lots of little bits as well breaks up into and that'll never disappear will it it'll just no, float round no, around no, the world forever in a day break down into microplastics and so as we look closer we can bits see other little lids. plastic pieces now this spot here as well is is one of the worst areas in this on this particular stretch of beach for um for nurdles and bio beads and I'm sure if we spend just a couple of oh, there we go we've got a couple of wow. a couple of nurdles now there. that is amazing because and I there. just thought this was small grit but they're in amongst them are those nurdles so they are so they, they all over the world so they there are billions and billions of these out in the environment whether they're on on land washing out into the rivers or out into the oceans there's pretty much there's nowhere that you can go on the planet where you you, you know you won't you won't find these unfortunately so these are nurdles and i'm sure if we look a little bit closer we can probably spot bio beads as well um they, they're a little bit harder to to find um but I'm sure if we move along a little bit, we you're can so probably slide. You're so positive. I know when we talk about this, you don't like people to be really negative and uh, you want to look at things with the positive positive view. But for me, sometimes, you know, I mean, we're plastic-free July, the idea is to try to not get just, you know, one-use plastic, so, you know, plastic bottles that you get your water in and things, try and have your own bottle. But I do feel it's a bit hopeless sometimes. Yeah, and I feel like that sometimes as well. But it's But then I think to myself, well... You know that there's there's yeah this is something I'm passionate about. I spend 
most of my waking hours trying to, to raise awareness about these issues, particularly about littering, but um, single-use plastics as well. But I'm just one person. There are thousands and thousands of people across the UK, um, millions of people around the world who are just as passionate as me, if not more passionate, who are doing brilliant things to try and raise awareness. And um, there's always more that we can that we can do. But what we do, what we don't need is a few people doing things perfectly. We need as many people as we can who are doing things imperfectly. Do just doing something, something that they can that a small change maybe you know just one or two changes at a time that they can um that they can do to to limit or reduce the amount of plastic that they use and um on the face of it individually it may not seem like it's going to have much of an impact but when you imagine that you've got hundreds of thousands millions of people around the world doing a similar thing it all adds up and it does it does make a difference i've seen that it can make a difference I, I know you're driven by it, and we'll find out how you came to be doing your rubbish walks. You were the wildlife gadget man before as well. So so making your passions, I'm not sure how much they pay, but I'll ask you that in a bit. And what have you just picked up? So this little piece here, believe it or not, is uh, is part of a firework. Um, so a, a rocket. So you'll quite often find these little... Is it rubber? No, is it it's, 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 it's plastic. Oh. Um, so, and chances are we'll, we'll find some more of these. So this is just the, the end tip. But these little small rockets that you, you set light to and they whiz up into the, into the air and you think, oh, that's lovely. And, and you forget about it. You know, what goes up must come down at, at, some, at some point. And most of them have these little plastic elements in there. So every firework that goes up, chances are there's plastic pieces that are coming down somewhere. Uh, no, I never have dreamt that. That's put me off using... I love fireworks, but I had no idea that they have plastic within them. I'm, the, the lanterns was something that was a problem. I know balloons as well is another big problem. Well, lanterns and, and balloons. I've, balloon um, litter is one of my particular pet hates as, as well and um, I, I and it was actually it was it was discovering a a, a seabird a gannet on Bordsy Beach um, back in I think it was 2014 was and unfortunately it had died and it, it was wrapped in a in a pink um, balloon and, and ribbon so unfortunately it, it got caught up and it had, it had died and it was that that particular that was that moment that made me think i'm going to pivot from what i was doing as as wildlife gadget man um, wildlife cameras and all that kind of thing and thinking i need to do more to try and raise awareness about this issue the, the impact that we're having on wildlife um, without even thinking about it without considering the implications of of buying that that single-use coffee cup um, but going to the fast food chain and, and getting a kid's meal and picking up a balloon at the same time to keep the keep the kids a bit a bit quiet for, for 10 minutes that as soon as they get outside on the way to the car you know, either deliberately or not it may, they may let go of the balloon that dis disappears and we forget about it but again what goes up must come down and I find so many balloons along this part of the coast. Some that have come um, from inland, but a lot of them have blown over um, from the channel, over from the continent. 
I've, I've picked, a, I walk the dog along this part of Felix Day quite regularly and I've picked up several balloons. Some are still full, which is brilliant because it means that they don't get into the water. I was really lucky uh, off the American coast uh, of America to, to go on a whale watching trip and halfway out to see the whales, the boat stopped because there was some balloons in the water and you can see how whales and other animals think that they're fish and that's how they can sometimes try and eat them yeah yeah and, and you see it's it's amazing how how particularly there's lots of different types of balloons so you've got your the mylar balloons that have, have the kind of the, the foily kind that you, you you see and um and they last absolutely ages and then you get the more kind of latex rubber rubber kind and 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 what you find particularly with 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 them i think there's a lot of the manufacturers will say that they're more environmentally friendly and they will kind of biodegrade uh, over a certain amount of time but they still take time and what tends to happen is they go up higher up in the into the atmosphere and they get to a certain level and then they ex- explode and and fall back down to earth and when they explode what happens is that the the balloon material itself fragments into into strips and they genuinely look like jellyfish so imagine them falling into the water it is very easy to see how marine life can mistake certainly balloons and other other plastic items as as food um, and it, it's 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 scary how much they look like how much they look like food should we carry on walking yes. and we'll, we'll talk more because you mentioned about uh, wildlife gadget and you mentioned how old some of the things are that you pick up. He's, he's in charge of his, his rubbish museum as well. So we'll talk about some of those things. We'll keep having a look and picking things up. You've added it to your, to your collection there, have you? Yeah, so, they, so here are so a few other bio bees that I've cut, um, nurdles I've collected and you can see the, the darker peppercorn size um, plastic pellets there they're the bio beads so the bio beads um, are um, materials that are used in water treatment works and they use billions and billions of them to to help filter the water Um, and unfortunately when things get flushed down the loo that shouldn't be flushed down the loo things litter that that finds its way down into the storm drains as well um, if they find their find their way to the water treatment works at some point, they're going to come up against um, these these mesh fil- filtration units filled with these bio beads. And when you've got stuff um, that's got hard, jagged edges, it can rip into that mesh. And billions and billions of these bi- plastic bio beads spill out into our waterways and um, and just and add to the plastic pollution problem. So another reason why we should only flush certain things down the loo. So I think we're going to give you quite a few lectures, <laughs> or maybe not lectures, or bits of advice over the course of this. But it's, it's fascinating because we mentioned the balloons. You could buy a balloon, but just make sure it, you don't let it go, that you, that you stab it and put it in your rubbish. When you, well, there are ways of coping with all of this without saying, don't do this, don't do that. Yeah, I think I think, and there and there are always alternatives as well. I think we've all we've all grown up, particularly with balloons, as a as a, a thing that we associate with with celebrations or rem- remembering um, certain events. But there are other things that we can use. There are other things that we can do. One of my favourite things is um, is bubbles, and um, there's an or- there's an organisation that I that I know that um, specialise in in making plastic free kits and environmentally friendly um, soapy liquid um, to make giant bubbles 
I'm watching the chilled children as you as you're blowing these giant bubbles um jump about giggling laughing trying to trying to pop them as well they have just as much fun as as uh, if they're playing with the balloons but when you're finished there's no residue or you know there's no kind of leftovers there's no waste um so there's all there's always options you know we can we can go for the easy up easiest most common option but if we if we think about it if we if we look around a little bit there's so many more alternatives that are, that are easy to um just as easy to use it's, like, it's breaking the habit as much as anything well just thinking a bit about it as well i like i like bubbles i don't think it's just little people that like blowing bubbles i think i might as well Let, let's carry on just picked up a bit of tissue i see there's a big ship coming in to the the river man here at felix so give us a few minutes and we'll be back with you and tell you what we have found You're listening to the Suffolk Money podcast supported by Kingsfleet and we're on another walk today. So today uh, at the mouth of the river or while we're on the Felixstowe side, if I look to my right, the huge boats that have come in, ships that have come in for Felixstowe port to my left. I, the sun is glinty off the sea. It's a glorious day today. We've got a, a sailing ship. We've got a big ship from Rotterdam just meant, gently make its way up the river. I think that'll head towards, towards Ipswich probably. And then you've got the DFDS ferry coming in as well. Uh, we're right down by the water. It's low tide today. With us is uh, Jason Alexander. And Jason, very well known for his rubbish walks. Basically, not because they're bad walks, but because they go out collecting rubbish. He was formerly the wildlife gadget man. We've got a plastic-free July, hence our, our excuse for a walk. So just to, um, we're just going to make our way up because it's really breezy today and hopefully we've got a, a, an old, I think this is probably a Second World War, uh, fort, fortification that we're going to try and get some shelter from. But t- just tell me a bit about you, how all of this came about. So many years ago, I was um, spent a lot of my time designing wildlife cameras and uh, back in 2014 I set myself a challenge to witness and photograph a hundred sunrises in a year and it's it's a lot harder to to do than it than it sounds it was early in the um, morning for a yeah, start <laughs> particularly this time of year because it's um you have to get up really really early and um so I used to get up really really early and the idea was that I would find lovely spots around here in Suffolk and take a take a photograph of the sunrise and then put all the technology away and just sit there and be in the moment so listening to the to the sounds of nature if we're down by the water listening to the the water rippling you might hear the rigging clanging uh, on the some of the boats nearby absolutely beautiful but what i found was was that i was moving litter and bits of rubbish out of the way to try and make the photograph as nice as possible and, um, and I was always brought up never to, to drop litter, to always put it in a bin. Um, so I'd, I'd pick that rubbish up, put it in the nearest bin or take it home with me and put it in the bin at home. And that soon became an integral part of my routine. Fast forward six, seven years or however long it is um, now. And I've now kind of transitioned into um, Rubbish Walks. We're a community interest company based here in Suffolk. And um, a lot of what we do involves walks. Um, either uh, by myself or public events, taking groups out or members of the public to impeach cleans and litter picks. Um, 
but it's a lot more it's a lot more than that we get involved with uh, lots of different organizations we work with lots of schools it's very much about education as well not just children but um, all age groups and because we spend a lot of time outdoors as well when we meet lots of different people and a, a variety of different people it's very much about the health and well-being aspect as well because we're standing here out in the sunshine out in the fresh air you know it's, it's a lot better than being stuck in an office um so i i i love what i do it can be very frustrating some days um but i love what i do how, how have you made your love and and what to most of us would be something we do on a walk how have you turned that into making a living make it into a business i'm assuming it does make a living um yeah not it's difficult um i'm very lucky that i have a very supportive wife a very understanding and and, forg- and forgiving wife um i sold my um business a, a few years ago my the, wildlife camera system business which um meant that we had a little bit of savings in in the in the bank um and then over the years we've been able to kind of dip into that to kind of fuel and this passion and to and to help some of these projects to to get underway but all of all of those savings disappeared um months and years ago and um and it's 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 tough there's little bits of funding here and there we're very very lucky to get um donations here and there which have been you know very gratefully received but as a social enterprise every every little bit of profit that that we make all pretty much every every penny that comes into into the um into the community interest company goes on expanding what we're trying to do to try and um bring many of the projects that we have bubbling under the surface um to fruition bring, taking them out to the to the public trying to engage with as many people as we can and uh, it gets it gets frustrating it's, it's the same with any business you have a little bit more funding a little bit more um money available there's so many more things that you can do but what it does make you do is is think about things in a in a slightly different way how can you be more efficient with with um with what you're trying to do a great example of that is particularly when you're setting up a new business and i and i went through this with with rubbish walks it's very tempting to you can particularly if you've come from a, a, a corporate or a business background you start thinking about logos and branding and oh it'd be great to have a cap or a t-shirt with me logo on and and that's all that's all really important um but um certainly when you first start out you know that any money you've got available is you could pro- it's probably better used on slightly different things rather than um you know polo shirts that are going to sit in, in your in your drawer for a lot of the time you know if you can buy particularly for me litter picking equipment that enables me to 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 get out with a group of of scouts um in the in the local park and and chat to them about the issues of of um, littering dropping their sweet wrappers and crisp packets on the ground the impact that that can have on the environment the simple changes that we can make um to, to help uh, eliminate the problem or, or maybe not eliminate it but certainly um, reduce it um so there's there's just there's so many different things that we can 
we can do. And we were talking about it earlier on, and you were saying you could spend all sorts of hours trying to fill in forms to get funds, but then you wouldn't be out there doing your job. And really, what you're wanting to do is to spread the word, aren't you? And everything you do is spreading that word. You've got videos on your website, and we'll give the website in a bit. You've got this great, um, isn't it, refloat? Tell me about that. That's spreading the word as well. Yeah, so we've so one of the things that I'm really keen to do is to try and try new and interesting and innovative ways of trying to engage with people. We hear about all of these issues, particularly to do with plastic pollution and, and litter, and um, and we hear all of these stats about plastic bottles taking 450 years to disappear and all of that kind of thing. And, and I think over time, people get a little bit bored of it. They get a little bit blind, blind to it. So I like to find new and, and slightly innovative, interesting ways of getting that same old messaging across. We're chatting about um, Plastic Free July, and, and one of the... One of the the, the biggest, the, the greatest um, pieces of, of plastic pollution, of, of litter on the planet, if not the greatest, is cigarette butts. Most people don't realise that cigarette butts are made of a form of plastic um, called cellulose acetate. So, and that's the same kind of plastic that's used to make glasses, sunglasses frames. Um, so that little fibrous filter um, in the cigarette butt isn't cotton wool, isn't, isn't um, you know, a natural material, it is a, a form of plastic. And it's estimated that over four trillion cigarette butts are dropped in the environment around the world every single year. And it's hard to imagine that number, to, to, to be able to visualize that number. But just to give it, just to, to try and help with that, that's four trillion, four and a half trillion is way more stars than there are in our galaxy. And you imagine a cigarette butt is about two centimetres long, about an inch long. Um, if you had to line up every cigarette butt that's dropped in just in one year around the, around the world, if you were to line them up in a straight line, they'd stretch to the moon and back over a hundred times. That gives you an idea of the scale of the problem. So as, if you think about the weight of it, it's millions of tonnes. And that's just cigarette butts. And they're just washing around the world at the moment. So that's just one thing you could do for Plastic July. Should you should you smoke, don't drop your cigarette butts. But if you're out and about, pick them up and uh, maybe take them home and put them in, in the rubbish. You mentioned how plastics last forever and ever. And you've got your own little, little, uh, what's it called? The Vintage, the vintage. Rubbish Museum. Yeah, so I've... I've um, set up the UK's first vintage litter museum and I've done thousands of litter picks and beach cleans and picked up millions of pieces of litter and when you do that you find some interesting stuff and I found lots of vintage litter so items that are um, pre or well, from 1999 and earlier and you'll be amazed the kind of things that, that, that you find I've now got about 400 450 pieces in the collection and they range from um, crisp packets that are, that are 50 odd years old to um, I've, the oldest item I have, I actually found in, in, in Ipswich. And um, I was walk, walking along, picking up some bottles and cans from a, from a bank and I saw this bit of glass. I pulled on it and actually pulled out a, imagine a sealed test tube. So it's sealed at both ends and inside it still had some sterile liquid and there is an original catgut suture kit um, and, a, and a little label um, 
with saying exactly what it was in there. And I've done a little bit of research online and found exactly the same one in a museum in Scotland, which dated it to 1920. So this test tube, this glass test tube, had been out in the environment for over a hundred years and hadn't broken. Um, and then just on, on Borsey Beach, so not too far from here, um, I found the oldest plastic bottle that I found. So we haven't really started, we didn't never really started mass producing and using plastic um, until the late 40s, early 50s. And, um, and I found this, this small light blue bottle um, from the Revlon Aquamarine range. And again, a little bit of research online, I found an advert with the Aquamarine range on there from 1954. So this bottle was one of the first mass-produced bottles. Older and, than me. Um, and with a, and apart from a little um, split on there, you could fill it with liquid and it would still be fine. So going into schools, speaking to, you know, going to WI groups and speaking to, to, to other individuals, you know, if, I get, if I go along and I can show a crisp packet that's been out in the environment for the past 50-odd years, um, but it looks like it was dropped yesterday, or plastic bottles that are you know 70 years old or, or around that um, it really starts to hit home you know it's just it's not just an infographic on a on a on a screen somewhere it's it's tangible it's something that they can particularly the younger children can see and and you you see a little kind of switch go off behind the eyes you see this little light bulb moment where they they start to grasp the, the impact that, that, that they can have on the environment with, with a, you know, the, the thoughtless act of just throwing a sweet wrapper on the ground rather than keeping hold of it and putting it in a bin. You are doing amazing work, you know. And, and we've all heard of you, so you are really slowly spreading the word. Like, over there, can you see something shining yeah. right in the distance? So, just a... yeah, let's just, and, and as we make our way there, let's just do our final chat. You can hear the wind already catching us as well. Let me just stand around this side of you as well. What are you pointing at? Yeah? Should we go walk along the sand bit? Now? Yeah, walk yeah. around the sand where the tides come up, because that's the tide line that you like to do. You do need, I mean, if you could, if anyone fancies joining you, you would, you, you do need, a, or a van would make your life a lot easier wouldn't it so the key the, the key thing for for us at the moment is we've got a number of projects underway ready to go but as with most organizations the key thing is funding and the number one thing for me at the moment is uh, is a van by getting that van it means that we can we can do a lot more public litter picking and beach cleaning events but it also gives me the opportunity to take the um, the vintage litter museum out on the road um, I've got a workshops that I put together for for the um, for the vintage litter museum and they it's called the the vintage litter museum cold case files and environmental who done it <laughs> so I go into the idea is I go into schools as agent Alexander from the vintage litter museum and I'm there to train the children to become junior investigators and then we look at so we've got evidence boxes we open them up and there's a bag with a piece of genuine vintage litter in there you've got the brown folder with the big red unsolved case file <laughs> stamp on there lots of activities it's a brilliant way to engage the kids to get them thinking about the, the problems and to to start their journey on becoming um, much more plastic aware and considering um, how they use plastic 
move not just through through school and, and as a child but hopefully they'll take that through as they grow up into into adulthood and, and for me so plastic july for for all of us what what little things can we do i mean we, it's so frustrating you sort of want to change the world but you can't but we can all do what you're doing do, do a little bit yeah i think i think one of the key things that is is to to try and find out more information um, there are so many different um, there are so many different websites um, out there that have got lots of details the plastic free July website is, is is really good here in Suffolk one of the the best websites to look at is the Suffolk recycling website one of the key questions I often get asked is you know can this item go in your recycling bin and um, and the Suffolk recycling website has a, a an A to Z and that you can pretty much find any item on there and it will tell you can it go in your curbside um, general waste bin can it go in your recycling bin does it need to go to um, a you know household waste recycling facility Um, one of the key things I would say is particularly if we think about the recycling bin one of the big issues is that a lot of people um, are, are very conscientious they try and do the right thing and put their recycling um, in their recycling bin but they put their recycling in a plastic bag <laughs> before putting it in the recycling bin and one of the things that, that we, we need to try and encourage as many people to do as possible is to is to shake it out before they put, put it in there so if you've got your recycling um, in a plastic bag shake it out into the bin don't leave it in the bag it's, it's brilliant what you're doing and it's, it is it is lovely that slowly people are catching on. I think there's much more awareness now than there ever was originally. Oh, 100% and that's what we've got to, we've got to keep trying to do. We've got ourselves in a pickle with the, the plastic pollution problem and it's, it's something that we're not going to change overnight um, and nobody really likes being told what to do so we've just got to keep nudging people in the right direction and I think with Plastic Free July it's a great way of getting that message across and to, to keep nudging people in, in that right direction. Should we carry on litter picking? Let's go for it. So that was Leslie Dolphin on the cleanup trail with Jason Alexander, whose campaign is just extraordinary. And if you want to find out more about Plastic Free July, you can visit their website at www.plasticfreejuly.org. My thanks to Jason and Leslie and to the team who helped produce this podcast, that's Sally and Kevin Birch and Joy Day. And thank you too for listening. If you'd like to ensure that you hear all future episodes, then please do like this uh, on the podcast provider of your choice. And if you can give us a five-star review, then it will help your friends and our local community to all find out about what we do and what we have on offer. So from me, Colin Lowe, until the next time you can join us, goodbye.